Good evening, and welcome to the Legal Eagle Review, an informative and thought-provoking weekly show covering legal issues affecting everyday people. We know that there are many things you could be doing with your time, and we appreciate your decision to share this time with us. I'm Irving Joyner. And I'm April Dawson. We're law professors at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and we're your co-hosts. The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law. We thank you for joining us this evening. On April 20, 2021, a Minnesota jury returned guilty verdict against Derek Chauvin on three separate felony wrongful death charges, which resulted from the shooting death of George Floyd. On the very next day, April 21st, Pasquotank County Sheriff Deputy killed unarmed Andrew Brown in Elizabeth City. This shooting resulted in daily demonstrations in the city and the filings of a civil rights lawsuit by the Brown family. We are happy to announce tonight and to discuss that a $3 million settlement has been achieved in that case, along with some Significant policing reforms and a sense of accountability has been recorded in Elizabeth City. Tonight, we are going to discuss this shooting death, the reactions of the family and community, and this monumental settlement with attorneys who have been involved in this matter since May 21st, 2021. Joining us for this discussion are attorneys Chantel Cherry Lassiter and Ashley Mitchell. So thanks to both of you for joining with us this evening. Thank you for having us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Professor Joyner. All right, well, starting out in the interest of a full disclosure, since uh, Attorney uh, Lassiter has outed us, uh, we need to just disclose that uh, both of these attorneys are recent graduates of the North Carolina Central University School of Law. And we are very proud of all of the work that they have been doing and all of the accomplishments that they have made uh, since their uh, exit uh, from the uh, from the law school. But let's start out with uh, you know the fact that each of you have been intimately involved in this case, and I don't know if our uh, listeners uh, still remember all of the uh, facts uh, surrounding it and some of the uh, reactions in the community. But uh, Attorney uh, Cherry Lassiter, can you just kind of give us a, a background summary of uh, what happened uh, with, the, uh, with the Andrew Brown case? Um, just with everything that's been you know, going on in, in the news and what the media has already shown, um, the incident happened April 21st of 2021, and it was immediate um, outcry in the city and an outpour of heartache um, occurred. Um, at the time, I was actually working in Durham, North Carolina. I was living here in Elizabeth City or Pequimans County, but I was working in Durham, North Carolina, and I received a call um, and because it's my community and actually, you know, being here, I was one of the first ones to actually receive the phone call. Um, and it, everything, like I said, was just an outpour of um, heartache and confusion surrounding everything that was going on on that day. All right. And uh, Turner Mitchell, can you talk about what were the uh, 
what happened that led up to the uh, death of, uh, of Mr. Brown? Yeah, so um, some of the facts surrounding um, Mr. Brown was was in his, his driveway um, when the uh, Paso Tank Sheriff's Department, you know, arrived. Um, the situation went down and, and long story short, Mr. Brown ended up deceased across the street from his home um, after the sheriff or, or the deputies um, shot him. Um, of course, we do not know all of the facts that the, the public did not know all of the facts as far as like the body camera footage and all of those things, but it caused a, a great outpour of emotion from the community knowing that our sheriff's department did something and no transparency and accountability was, was being had at the time. Um, so of course that caused a lot of uh, uh, upset within the community. Um, and that's what led to the protests that followed afterwards um, and the, the increase in political engagement and, and so on and so, so forth. But that was the general um, details, the facts from that, that incident. Well, there, there was the report in the media indicated that uh, Mr. Brown was shot in the back uh, five times uh, and uh, a fatal bullet struck him in, in the head as he was driving away from, uh, from police officers. And uh, there was uh, an initial claim by the uh, sheriff's department and the uh, local DA that what the uh, police officers uh, did or the sheriff's department deputy did was uh, legally uh, appropriate uh, in that uh, situation. And uh, that kind of led to some of the uh, hostility uh, that was present. Uh, how, 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 how did you respond or how did uh, the, the family members respond to this set of events? that uh, occurred there in Elizabeth City, uh, Attorney Lassley? Well, of course, if anyone is, is, um, has passed and, you know, it's anyone that's passed on, they don't want to hear that it was, it was legal or it was, um, it was okay that their loved one is no longer here. You know, no one wants to hear anything like that. And not knowing all the details and all the exact information was a concern, you know, for the family that they did not know exactly what had happened, what transpired. Um, so that was, uh, you know, great concern and dealing with grief and, and death in general, on top of not knowing exactly what happened to their loved one was a great concern to the family. Mm -hmm. Was, was there ever any clarity as exactly what, uh, what occurred or do, are we just stuck with the uh, police officer's uh, version of what occurred out there in, uh, in front of uh, Mr. Brown's home? The family has gained some more clarity other than what was given to them in the beginning in April of 2021. They have gained more clarity since that time. Mm -hmm. And what about the uh, community's uh, reaction, uh, Attorney Mitchell? How, how, how would you uh, describe uh, the importance of uh, the continual daily demonstrations and things that uh, were organized there and that were conducted in response to the, uh, to the shooting? Um, the, the community's reaction was, was concerned. Um, the community was frustrated. Um, they want to answer something happened. So just a little bit of background of Elizabeth City. Elizabeth City is a very small town. Um, the town is very close knit. When things happen, you hear about it. 
Um, so when the community heard about this instance, this, this situation, you know, the community wanted answers. They wanted to know like, what happened? Why did this happen? Um, and when they were faced with, with no answers, um, the community got upset and, and showed their, their, their passion for wanting to know why. Why, why did this happen in our community? Um, and since then, NAACP has been very prominent in trying to ensure, you know, that things outside of the Andrew Brown situation. So, so taking a step back, since Andrew Brown happened, it sparked like a political change in everything. Um, in our school board, in our, in our city council, in our county commissioners, people have gotten a, a, a passion for understanding like what is going on in our community and how can we make it better and how can we ensure that this does not happen again. Um, so since then, um, there has been a formation of the Citizens Advisory Committee, um, which will be looking at some of the issues within the um, Sheriff's Department, hopefully if we get authority. Um, but it, it's things like this that are being created in this community now um, in response to, to that situation to try to make sure that this never happens in our community again. Can both of you talk a little bit about the need for um, access to information sooner rather than later. And, and as you um, kind of talk about the need for this transparency, what role do body camera, uh, body cameras play and, and the film that they provide in terms of understanding, gaining a full understanding of what happens in situations? Attorney Lasseter, let's start with you. Yeah, I, I feel that, you know, body cameras are needed for citizens as well as officers, you know, um, that will lead to transparency and lead to understanding of events that actually happen. You know, when you're in the middle of the chaos, you can't even say everything that's going on. You know, you can't, it's not 100% guarantee that you're going to have an accurate account of what is, is transpiring. Um, the body cam, if it's used correctly, if it's turned on, if everyone is using it, then that would be a great asset. And then also have an accessibility to that body cam footage. Um, and it's been, you know, across North Carolina, not every county has body cams. Not everyone can, it's in their budget or they can afford it. So that's, um, and you know, some of these smaller towns and communities, even smaller than Elizabeth City, they may not have that body cam access. And things happen. And I really honestly believe that if body cams were more accessible to communities, they would have more, um, excuse me, transparency and accountability on all parts, you know, not just on the officer, but on citizens as well. Attorney Mitchell? Yes, I, I definitely believe body camera um, is necessary, but I also believe the ability of the community and the families and people impacted, being able to see that footage and being able to, you know, assess it themselves and analyze it is also very important. Um, what's the point of having the footage if, if we, we're not able to see it? Um, so I think, in, especially with this situation in particular, had the community been able to see the footage, maybe they would have felt like it was justified. Who knows? But we can't say that because we weren't given that opportunity to make that decision on our own. Um, so we're just being forced to take the word of the police officers or the sheriff's department or, or whoever. And that's, that's where that lack of transparency really comes in because the community feels as if they can't trust what is being told to them. Well, let me ask you, you know, because both of you are from uh, Elizabeth City and uh, you are attorneys and in a sense, you kind of play a dual role uh, when responding to a situation like this. One is a community member, uh, particularly in a closely knit uh, community. And then as a, a legal advisor, uh, where you have to kind of step back and look at the uh, uh, the legal side and legal implications and what 
uh, has been done, what can be done, and advising people. So can you kind of talk about uh, the role that you had to play uh, in your respective uh, venues in uh, addressing uh, concerns within the community and helping the community uh, to uh, direct uh, to create a direction that they were going to go in in terms of responding uh, to the uh, Andrew Brown uh, killing. Uh, so let's start with Ms. Uh, uh, Attorney Lassiter. Uh One of the the roles, well, the well, there was two a few roles I had to play, but one of the roles I had to make sure I was aware of is that I'm an attorney first, and um, I'm an attorney first. I'm a citizen and then I'm an activist at heart. <laughs> so I had to really make sure I kept those separate. And when I talk to the community, make sure they understand civil law versus criminal law versus, you know, every the people that are not attorneys often don't differentiate the types of law and what who is supposed to be where and what role. Um, a lot of times I had to make sure I educated the community to know that criminal criminal aspects are different than civil aspects. Um, and also, born and raised here, you know, little Chantel from the area, it's, it was, <laughs> I had to make sure they understood that I was an attorney and that that was my, my primary role. And that's kind of, kind of the struggle that I had. Um, but through it all, I'm still a community member and I'm still very invested in this community. So I had to make sure I was letting the people know that as well. Okay, I'm Turner Mitchell. Very similar. Um, you have to remember you're an attorney first and then you're a community member and then you're an activist. And, and here in situations like this, it makes you want to just, you know, just jump to action like what this happened here. But then as an attorney, you have to you have to tone it down and really think through the situation. So my role um, is, is different than Chantel's. I wasn't representing Andrew Brown or his family, but I was representing the NAACP. So I work for Forward Justice. Um, and in that role, we served as the legal representation for the Pasquotank County NAACP. So I was more so helping to guide the president of the NAACP, Keith Rivers, um, in some of the things that he said to the media um, and how he handled certain situations in terms of like city council and things like that and, and getting permits. Um, so those were the type of things that, that I did, that I was a part of. But you do hear your community members, you know, requesting help like what do we do can we do this can we can we do a constitutional lawsuit and you're like no we can't do that right now like that's not the process so you have to really like step into that lawyer role and, and take your feelings out of it for you know for for a little bit mm -hmm. well i'm not <laughs> going to ask you to be uh negative about the uh about the law school uh but in your law school education uh how were you trained uh, to uh, deal with uh, a situation like this that you never expected that you would uh, be in the middle of. So Attorney Mitchell, we'll start with you and then go to Attorney Lassie. So shout out to NCCU Law because I feel like I was very proud, very, very prepared for this uh, moment. Um, definitely it, it was a whirlwind. You don't know what you're doing, <laughs> especially for me. I was a new attorney, very, very new. Um, so I, I didn't really know exactly what, what went on, but I definitely felt prepared in the sense of I knew how to talk to the community members. I knew how to, you know, communicate with um, President Rivers to let him know, you know, that's, that's not okay. We have to, you know, tone it down a little bit. Um, I, I knew how to navigate those waters and, and using the legal knowledge along with just, you know, the, the, the personality, the, the, um, the personalism of it. 
um, really, really helped. So just Central was great. <laughs> Central was awesome. Um, definitely prepared me for this moment. Um, I'll pass it to Chantel to see what, what her thoughts are. Yeah, I was, I was definitely, I am definitely prepared. I have a um, certification in civil rights and constitutional law from these North Carolina Central University School of Law. And I have been able to um, call, even, you know, when I was a student, I was able to go to professors' offices that were not even my professors if I had questions or concerns or just want to talk about life outside of law school in general and what to expect when I got out of law school. So um, that was very helpful. And I can still call my professors even now, and we can call alumni. We, it's a wealth of knowledge and information that makes us very prepared and to have the tools um, to tackle any anything, you know, and that's exactly how I feel. You know, once everything happened, I immediately called a central alumni, Harry Daniels, and I said, you know, Attorney Daniels, I need, you know, we need to talk, you know, and he was he was right there. And this that's just something um, that I think is um, so valuable, and the the fact that it's it's a law school but it's a family and it's a support system and we're uh very prepared and we will continue to be prepared this is the uh legal legal review and uh we are talking with uh, attorney uh chantel cherry Lassiter and uh, attorney ashley mitchell out of uh, elizabeth city uh, uh two of our grads who were engaged and involved in the uh, results of the killing by the Pasco Tank County Sheriff uh, Department of uh, Andrew Brown Jr. Uh, last year in uh, Elizabeth City. We have to take a break uh, right now, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk with them more about this uh, monumental $3 million settlement uh, that uh, the attorneys were able to achieve uh, for the uh, uh, Brown family and for the uh, community there. Yeah, so want you to uh, stay with us and we will be North Carolina Central University School of Law was founded in 1939 to provide opportunities for African American students to become lawyers. Embracing our heritage, the mission of NCCU Law is to provide a quality, personalized, practice-oriented, and affordable education to historically underrepresented students from diverse backgrounds to increase diversity in the legal profession. We empower our graduates to become highly competent and socially responsible lawyers and leaders committed to public service and to meeting the needs of underserved communities. NCCU Law is excited to announce the creation of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center, made possible by the generous pledge of $5 million by Intel Corporation. The mission of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center is to produce technology-conscious lawyers who will use technology in alignment with the law school's mission to 1. facilitate the efficient, effective, and ethical practice of law, and 2. increase the access of legal information and services to underserved communities. You can learn more about the Technology Law and Policy Center by visiting the NCCU Law website.
Okay, we're back on the uh, Legal Eagle Review, and we're talking with uh, Chantel Terry Lassiter and uh, Ashley Mitchell, both attorneys in uh, Elizabeth City, uh, North Carolina, about the uh, killing of uh, Andrew Brown Jr., uh, the uh, Aspartame uh, County uh, Sheriff's Department, uh, in uh, April of 2021. Uh, and uh, out of that uh, case, there were... Uh, weeks of uh, community uh, demonstrations uh, that uh, resulted in a quick, really, settlement uh, of uh, $3 million. Uh, unheard of in uh, Elizabeth City uh, history and in uh, North Carolina, as, uh, as a matter of fact. So we're very uh, happy to report to you that uh, these attorneys were able to uh, obtain that settlement uh, for the family and the, uh, the the community. Uh, one of the issues that you raised uh, initially had to do with the uh, uh, body camera. And uh, one of the early demands that were made by the uh, community and the uh, Brown family was the uh, release of uh, those, uh, those tapes. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, conflict uh, in uh, Elizabeth City around that. What uh, can you kind of describe that uh, conflict and how it was eventually resolved? Because you talked about the importance of seeing uh, that uh, those tapes, but how was this particular uh, situation uh, resolved uh, with respect to your ability to see uh, Attorney Lassen? Once we got in the litigation process, we were able to um, talk with the SBI, North Carolina SBI, and things were able to be cleared up, not for the community, but for the family. Um, and, and that's still a concern that, you know, the community has not been able to view everything that they would like to view, um, which is, I'll let Attorney Mitchell discuss that, but the family was able to get a little more clarity than they, like I said, had previously when everything first started. Okay, Attorney Mitchell. Um, from the community standpoint, um, as Attorney Lassiter said, we have not been able to see anything but a small clip. And in that clip, if I remember correctly, which is, I have not viewed it for, for a little bit of time myself, but you, you can see the um, the pickup truck that was coming to his his home. And you can see like all these actions that's taking place. So for the community, we still feel very unfulfilled. Um, we still don't know really what happened. And, and while we are definitely grateful that the, the, the family received some clarity, the community as a whole is still torn in the sense of we don't know what happened. And now we're just being told, okay, well, they, there's a settlement, so move on. <laughs> and, and, and how do you move on from something that literally tore the community in half? Um, so that's, that's where we are with the community and, and the body cameras right now. Both of you have talked about the need for um, advocacy uh, from the perspective of being a lawyer, from the perspective of being an activist. Can you two talk about the importance of having lawyers in place to um, kind of speak truth to power, right? And so what I mean by that is, you know, whenever we have these police shootings, the response from law enforcement is we didn't do anything wrong, uh, that the outrage is you know, not appropriate and 
Um, that, that always seems to be the reaction from law enforcement. And, and we saw that in this case as well. Can you talk about the importance of having legal minds and lawyers kind of in place to be able to push back on the narrative that we so often see law enforcement communicating in the, in the very early days of any type of incident? I think that once bringing knowledge to power, once people know that they have rights, they have constitutional rights and they have uh, rights to speak up when there are constitutional violations, then they will be, the community will be more aware and more able, you know, have a better ability and a knowledge to say, you know, you may be saying this, but we know we have constitutional rights. And if those rights are being violated, then we have a right to speak up. We don't have to sit and not say anything and just be like, okay, all right, well, if that's what you said, we don't have to do that anymore. Um, and as time goes on, hopefully we're raising even more um, people that will have knowledge and, and power and, and the, the high school students and the college students and people that's coming behind us will have the ability to understand that they have a right to speak up for injustices and things that are, are wrong, you know, and they don't have to be afraid, afraid to speak their truth. Attorney Mitchell? Yes, so, um, and I'm making sure I, I, re I understand the question completely. Do you mind repeating the question one, one, one time for me? Sure, absolutely. It it all it seems like it's more often than not the case that when there is a shooting or, or any type of action from law enforcement that raises questions within the community, law enforcement's initial reaction is, you know, we followed the book, we did everything that we were supposed to do. And the need to have lawyers who are willing to push back on that and to, you know, kind of galvanize a community. Both of you have talked about the importance of advocacy from the viewpoint of a lawyer, but but as you two um, have, have noted and have demonstrated in your work, there's activism tied into that as well. And can you just speak to the importance of having lawyers um, assisting with the uh, pushback on the narrative that is drawn or, or painted by law enforcement in situations like this. It is definitely important for, for lawyers to step in and take that, that pushback. Um, for example, as, as Chantel and I both have stated in our roles as attorneys for you know a particular group or, or the family, you can't say and do but so much. However, we do need attorneys to sort of help us, help us push back, for example, um, I remember the district attorney, he had a, conf a, 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 a conference, a, a, a um, conference, <laughs> and um, he stated a case that was, the, the facts did not line up with the Andrew Brown case at all. So if attorneys had picked up on that and really brought attention to that and say, no, that's not what happened. The community, I think, maybe would have had a, a, a slightly different perspective as to what happened. So that was one of the instances that sort of tore the community because you have some people that's believing this case that says, oh, well, if that's that's okay, then then I guess this situation is okay too. But in reality, it's like, no, first of all, the facts didn't even line up. <laughs> so the, the, the case doesn't even parallel. So if we have attorneys that can give that pushback and can can bring those, you know, that attention to those facts, I think it would definitely help help the movement. Definitely definitely help the movement go forward. Well, you know, within a year of the death of, uh, of Mr. Brown, you were able to reach a, uh, this is a monumental settlement that you were able to, uh, to obtain. And implicit in the settlement is a recognition that uh, notwithstanding what 
the initial response was was that the uh, police uh, deputies that was that were involved in this thing aired legally in some one way or uh, or another. So, Attorney Lassie, can can you kind of talk about the negotiation process in which you were engaged to help the uh, uh, the sheriff's department and uh, the uh, other legal advocates for the uh, county to understand that uh, that they were on the short end of the uh, legal argument uh, surrounding uh, this case. So can you kind of talk to us about that to the extent that you can? I would just say that we have a great legal team um, and all of our all of our attorneys played a um, vital role in um, in this entire process. And I will also say that they are, um, they still have a current DOJ investigation into this case. So a lot of things have not been discussed because there is still a pending investigation um, for the criminal side. So uh, there, there have been, um, and there have been, and there hopefully will be more developments as time goes on. Well, let me just, you know, raise, raise this point from, from Attorney Mitchell. Uh, during this negotiation process, during the last year, uh, what has been the attitude of the community about what uh, what has been happening uh, with the uh, Brown case and uh, the uh, community's ability uh, to be involved in pushing for resolution of, I guess, ongoing issues uh, that uh, people are encountering with the uh, sheriff department and the police department? Uh, there in the uh, in the in the area. Um, the response: people have been more vocal. Um, like I said before, before the Andrew Brown situation, Elizabeth City was this quiet small town. People didn't really go against the grain. You just, you know, is is very complacent. It was just a very quiet place. But since Andrew Brown, it's like there's just been a spark of of interest and and. Um, the wanting of knowledge and, and wanting to be able to contribute to the community and be able to help make decisions for the community. Um, so seeing that spark and that change has definitely been, um, for me, very empowering because it's like, oh, wow, we're, re we're picking up the, the pace here. Okay, let's, let's do it. Um, but from the, also from the community aspect, there has been, like, for example, um, there, the, the last primaries, the municipal elections, um, we have several activists who actually got um, elected to city council and county commissioner seats and things like that. So the community has taken it upon themselves to say, okay, well, we might not be able to do something over here, but let's see what we can do over here to make this thing better. Um, so there has been a response. And and since the settlement, there's still, of course, some some people are still upset. They're still frustrated. There's still not a release. We're very happy that the family had some form of, you know, reconciliation, but for the community as a whole, we're still very broken. Um, but we're taking that in stride and trying to push forward and making it better for, for the folks here. And Attorney Mitchell, um, related to that, um, what information or what would be most valuable to the community in terms of information about the um, unlawful killing of, of Andrew Brown? And so you mentioned you know, of course, there was a, a portion of the body cam that the public did have an opportunity to see, but there's still a lot of information that the public isn't aware of. Uh, are, are there any other specific pieces of information that the community would like to become aware of in order to help with the closure of this particular case from a community perspective? 
specifically, I feel like we all know what 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 happened, what went down. Um, so it's not even the sense of we wanting to see the the body camera footage now, but it's that transparency and accountability piece. So when the when it first happened, it was like we knew nothing. So as time went on, we got bits and pieces. So we sort of pieced the what happened together, but still there's no accountability. Um, if we know that this officer is the one that shot and this officer is the one that shot and this officer is the one that shot, but we see that these officers have not been reprimanded. There's no, it, there's no, nothing that has, ha has happened to them. They have not been fired. Some of them, from my understanding, have been promoted. Um, it's, it's seeing those type of things that happen that makes the community say, hmm, well, what's happening here? What, what's, what, what is this? Where's the closure? Where's, what, it, what, what do we do? Um, so I think that's just really like where the community is, like we're stuck. What happens next? Where do we go from here? Um, that's that's where that's the vibe now. <laughs> you know, which rate which raises the question of, you know, when we're talking about settlements, um, you know, does a community really understand where the settlement funds come from? And this goes to your point, Attorney Mitchell, about accountability. Um, Attorney Lassiter, to the extent that you can, uh, and, and some of this, of course, is, is uh, public information, can you just explain when there is a settlement, maybe generally, and, and even what's, what's um, known to the public in this particular case, where does the settlement funding come from? And does that, to Attorney Mitchell's point, play any role in the accountability on the part of the officers who actually um, engaged in the shooting? I, I like to use an example, um, which is nowhere near the magnitude of, of this case. But when we drive down a highway, we have to have, in North Carolina, we have to have insurance. And if we cause a action and someone's injured, um, our insurance would come in and they would handle it if, they, if we've been you know, shown to have any liability, our insurance will handle it. Our insurance rates will go up personally. So we're personally affected because now we have to pay a higher insurance premium or things like that. Um, I think the concern with cases is that we don't see direct accountability for actions. Um, and, and that's a concern. And it's hard to explain to people uh, that, you know, the insurance companies the you know different entities have insurance companies that come in and they handle settlements and things like that and people are still trying to figure out okay well how is that showing accountability so I understand the confusion and I understand that it seems it seems a little off um, and that's that's why I talk about the legal part the legal hat versus a community member versus the activism is that you know legally I have to explain this is where we are in the legal realm what we can legally accomplish on the civil side one of the things that we do know is that the insurance company is not going to agree to a uh, settlement in a case like this of this amount unless they are convinced uh, that they are on the short end of the uh, legal argument. And I think that implicit in their willingness uh, to, and I think that the, the public uh, uh, response uh, in the media uh, has been that uh, the uh, insurance company is uh, putting up, what, $2 million of this uh, $3 million. And uh, so uh, that uh, that says a lot without saying anything. And let's not forget that another portion of that is coming from the county. So all of it really is coming from citizens' dollars. At the end of the day, we are paying for the deputies' mistakes. 
Like this is what we're doing. And that's where the accountability piece once again fails because there is no accountability for them whatsoever. So that means that y'all are gonna be selling chicken dinners and fish dinners out there? We need to. <laughs> we need maybe some yak too. We need to. Yeah. And you know, the um the unfortunate thing is this is the normal course. You know, when we have officer-involved shootings um, and uh, people who are unlawfully killed or injured, that we don't have that accountability. And, you know, we can't even go beyond that, which is even if you do have, you know, kind of local accountability, part of the problem with our criminal legal system is it's easy for individuals to move to other locations. And so this whole point that you all talk about in terms of accountability and the community wanting to know that there has been accountability is a problem that we see all throughout the criminal legal system. You are listening to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. And we've been talking this hour with two of our distinguished alums here at NCCU School of Law, attorney Chantel Cherry Lassiter and Ashley Mitchell. And we've been talking about the unlawful killing of Andrew Brown by the Elizabeth City County Sheriff deputies. Um, We're going to have to take a quick break, but we're going to be right back. We hope you stay with us. Hello, my name is Brittany Burks, and I'm currently A2L at the North Carolina Central University School of Law. And this is your community spotlight. The North Carolina Central University School of Law offers four certificate programs. Upon completion of the specified requirements, law students may earn a certificate in civil rights and constitutional law, dispute resolution, tax law, or justice in the practice of law. As a part of the Eagle Promise, NCCU School of Law offers our students four outcomes upon graduation. Completing a degree program on time, becoming socially and globally engaged, proven leadership, and graduating market ready. More information about any legal program is at 919-530-6610. My name is Brittany Burks with the Legal Eagle Review. Thank you for listening. And we're back. Thank you again for tuning in to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. I'm April Dawson and my co-host Irving Joyner and I have been talking this hour with two of our distinguished alums, attorney Chantel Cherry Lassiter and Ashley Mitchell. And we've been talking about the killing of Andrew Brown in Elizabeth City and the settlement agreement that was recently reached. Ladies, right before the break, we were talking about the need for accountability in every situation where you have law enforcement engaging in unlawful and unconstitutional behavior and how that is lacking in most situations, that individual accountability. Um, Can you talk, Attorney Lassiter, about some of the other um, 
some of the other conditions tied to the settlement. So in addition to the money that will never, ever come close to compensating the family for the loss of their loved ones. But in addition to that, what are some of the other requirements that have been tied to the settlement agreement um, in order to try to prevent this situation from happening in the future? I will mention that Mr. Um, Tommy Wooten did make a public statement in a press conference that it's relating to this thing, this matter as well, that they will be offering um, or requiring additional training. Um, I think he mentioned some racial equity training and different uh, trainings that they have offered in the past, but they're offering, requiring more time and more hours uh, for training of his officers. And Attorney Mitchell, can you share your thoughts as a community, you know, forward attorney and activist about settlements or, or um, decisions by law enforcement agencies in this situation to add this type of training? Is it, is it beneficial? Does it help address the problem? If not, why? If so, how much? Um, is it beneficial? That's an interesting question. I feel like in and this is where a, a sheriff's department already has this training and they're just adding on additional methods of this training. It may not be that beneficial if they're already having this training and a situa situation like this can occur. How much more training do you need? I mean, what, what else do you need to, to get it through that you can't do these actions? Um, in situations where maybe the police department or the sheriff's department doesn't have these trainings, it would definitely be unnecessary to you know start to include these trainings for these particular places. But once again, something more than training needs to happen when situations like this can occur, because obviously there, there's an issue with the training in some way, shape or form. Well, you know, police misconduct, police brutality continue to be a uh, problem within uh, African-American uh, communities, not only uh, in uh, North Carolina, but all over uh, the, uh, the country. Uh, I just saw that earlier this week there was uh, $3.25 million settlement uh, and uh, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, uh, for another police-involved uh, uh, shooting there with uh, Dante uh, Wright, 20-year-old, uh, who was shot by an officer there. But that was also uh, accompanied with uh, uh, prosecution, uh, where the officer was found guilty of, uh, of that decision. Now, in your situation, uh, you had the uh, district attorney who had determined that uh, uh, there was not a legal basis uh, to uh, prosecute the officers involved in, uh, in this case. And that was a decision that was left solely uh, in the, into the uh, uh, purview of the, uh, of the district attorney. What is the uh, district attorney's stance now uh, with respect to... Uh, police liability and whether uh, criminal charges are appropriate or not in a case like this. So if, if you know, uh, turn it off. To my knowledge, uh, Womble has not changed his view. Um, he has not made any state public statements or uh, any statements to the family that he will be bringing charges against these officers. Mm -hmm. And that goes a long way in terms of, uh, of uh, accountability at least in the eyesight of people within the, uh, the community. But another thing I do want to just uh, raise up uh, for our uh, listening audience 
can you just uh, identify your legal team that was involved in a uh, substantial collection of, uh, of attorneys who were able to come together uh, to uh, participate in this uh, litigation? I think that uh, our audience ought to know exactly what kind of uh, high-powered uh, talent, uh, in addition to, uh, to you, uh, that uh, was involved in this case. Yes, we have um, myself, Attorney Chantel Cherry Lassiter, Attorney Harry Daniels, Attorney Chance Lynch, Attorney Bakari Sellers, and Attorney Ben Crump and his legal team as well. Yeah. They're Which from is all a, over. <laughs> yeah, that's a formidable, uh, and, 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 and as members of our audience will know, uh, Ben Crump uh, is uh, probably the lead attorney in just about every police misconduct uh, case that occurs in this country. And, uh, and for him and uh, Bukhari Sellers uh, to join uh, with uh, this team at the local level was a real uh, incident. How was it uh, working uh, with uh, that, uh, that team? And uh, what did you learn uh, out of uh, this, uh, this interaction? It's, it, like I said, it's an amazing legal team. I've learned so much in this past year, and I'm continuing to learn. Uh, I, and we're on other cases together as well, so I'm continuing to learn from this dynamic uh, group of attorneys. And uh, very down to earth, very, very helpful and willing to share any knowledge and any information that they have, any experiences. So it's just a wonderful um, experience to learn and grow and to fight for justice, which is mm -hmm. just this is where I went to law school for, so here I am. <laughs> well, let me just follow up with uh, Attorney Mitchell on this. When, when you look at a formidable legal team uh, like uh, Ben Crump and Kari uh, Sellers and, and Harry Daniels, uh, what impact did that have on the, uh, the community and their faith in uh, the uh, litigation process and that there was going to be a, a positive result? Well, first off, just seeing a familiar face on your legal team um, is something I think the community very, very much appreciated having Chantel, um, a face that they knew someone that they could, you know, very, they could trust was was important. Um, and then bringing in those heavy hitters really made the community like, wow, like they care, like we have somebody on our team, they're in our back pocket, like they're about to make this thing happen for us. Um, I think that was sort of the vibe of the community. Um, and like I said, having Chantel sort of spearheading it, being like that voice between the attorneys and, and, and the community was like the perfect bridging piece. So there was always that connection. There was never, you know, well, what's happening? Chantel was the one who sort of made that, made sure that the community knew what was up. And that was, that was awesome. Um, so just having her along with Harry Daniels and Chance Lynch and Bakari and Ben Crump come down and really show and, and not just show out in the courtroom or, you know, in the, the litigation process, but actually coming down to Elizabeth City and, and doing the, the press conferences and coming to the marches and, you know, things like that, seeing their faces out in the community, I think very um, it, it provided the community with a breath of fresh air, something that Elizabeth City, this area, Northeast North Carolina has never seen. So it was definitely powerful. Mm -hmm. And Attorney Mitchell, I want to go back to something that you had mentioned before, because I think it ties into that, right? Seeing that people care, bringing in folks who um, are homegrown, who come back to the community, like Attorney Lassiter, bringing in heavy hitters who are known nationally coming into the city. Uh, and and you've emphasized that you know Elizabeth City, small, quiet town, um, very complacent. But as a result of these unfortunate incidences, the 
community has kind of taken their power back. Um, and so you talked about municipal elections and school boards. Can I just would like for you to maybe expand upon that just a little bit more, because I think it's a point that bears emphasizing that uh, there is control and power that the people have. And so um, Attorney Lasseter, you mentioned that the district attorney, uh, it, you know, has has not been supportive of the community and the Brown family, I think from the very beginning. Well, that's an elected position and there are so many positions that are elected positions. Um, so Attorney Mitchell, can you talk about that just a little bit more about how this has galvanized the community to take control and, and ownership of, of what's happening? Definitely, like I said, you can definitely see a spark in political interest. Um, race, for example, races such as our clerk position. That is something that I feel like our folks here would not have taken much concern with. They would have just let whoever ran, that would have just been the person who got it. But this year we actually have um, one of our, our, our attorneys, she's a um, ADA at the moment, um, but she's running for clerk and she's a black female. Um, and that is powerful for here because we've never, if, from my knowledge, have we've never had a black clerk period in Elizabeth City. So to have someone take the initiative and want to take that role, that's powerful. Um, to have some of our activists that we've seen out at the marches, that we've seen, you know, at the protests, say, "Hey, I don't like what's going on in our city. We're gonna, you know, run for city council. We're gonna run for our county commissioners. We're gonna do run for mayor." Um, for example, um, Keith Rivers, the president of the NAACP here, his brother actually ran for mayor and won. Um, so it's, it's things like that that you see, like just, just branching off from that tragic situation that's like, wow, maybe there is hope for this community and maybe we can move forward from this situation. Mm -hmm. And Attorney Lasseter, can you talk about how this, uh, how the family um, views uh, the the spark that has been created in Elizabeth City by you know these such you know tra a tragic event in their family and if that gives them some sense of comfort to know that this community has come together and has been strengthened by these you know terrible unfortunate events. Yes, I think some of the family members are actually. Um, very appreciative. Uh, we have family members that we're in communication with that don't live here, and then you know some that do live here, but they're very appreciative. They are um, constantly receiving outpours of love and and condolences still uh, to to them, and they are. Um, I think they're hopeful that they will be living in a in a community that is going to be changed. And they have, you know, little cousins, little nieces and nephews that are still growing. And Andrew Brown Jr.'s children are here. So that's very important that they know that the community is actually going to be changed and hopefully for the better in years and years to come for their for their upcoming generations. Well, as a result of all of this, uh, are the two of you able to uh, walk a little taller and uh, shine a little brighter? Uh, in, uh, in in the community uh, that uh, in which you were reared, uh, which you were born, which you are part of, uh, and uh, attend church and other civic activities with uh, within the community. How how, how how are you feeling about all of this? I just honestly, it's so much work to do. Um, still, we're getting phone calls. Um, I've had to reach out to Ashley on a few uh, different cases that we're getting, you know, more phone calls, which is a good thing because now people are saying, you know what, this isn't right, that isn't right. And so we're getting even more information coming at us. Um, so I'm just 
so focused on the work that I can't even um, take a minute to say, oh, this feels nice because it, it's just, <laughs> I don't have time. I just have to keep going. <laughs> yeah. I'll say for me, I can't say it feels nice, but I definitely feel empowered. It feels like some some things are changing, some wheels are turning and it makes you feel like, wow, like we, 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 we tackled a little piece, but let's, let's keep pushing. So it makes you feel like, okay, we can, we can do this. Um, definitely feel empowered. And what um, suggestions or advice would you give to the law students that we have here um, in the building at NCCU School of Law who are inspired and motivated by the great work that you two are doing? Attorney Mitchell, I'll start with you. Um, just keep keep pushing, y'all. Um, be passionate about whatever area of law that you're going into. Hopefully it's civil rights because we need more civil rights attorneys. We, we need y'all. Um, but be passionate about it. Stand true in yourself. Um, don't be discouraged. Don't feel small in some of these spaces. You know, you may be the only spec there. You may be the only person that has a view that's, that, you know, completely different than what's going on. But stand true in yourself and, and hold true to what you know is right and push for it. And use your legal knowledge that you gain from the amazing NCCU law um, to carry you forward. Mm -hmm. Attorney Lasseter. That was great, Ashley. That's it right there. <laughs> That's the charge. <laughs> um, to uh, that, but well, that was yeah, that was great. To stand in, like she said, stand in who you are. Know that whatever you put your foot in and your hand in to do it to the best of your ability, that you are going to be um, great because you're at an amazing institution, and that you are going to be be extremely prepared. Just have the confidence and the faith to move forward with whatever it is. And yes, we do hope. Uh, all of you will decide to be civil rights <laughs> attorneys, but whatever you do, do it great and do it um, do it with with the full knowledge that you would have and you'll be prepared for. You know, I, I'm so proud of uh, both of you uh, to come to law school all the way from the Outer Banks of uh, North Carolina, uh, was about a 20 hour drive from Elizabeth City uh, to uh, to Durham, and that you had the courage uh, to go back to your community uh, and provide legal services. And you never know what's going to uh, occur. But the uh, fact that when this occurred in that community, you were there and you were trained and you were ready to go, that that brought, I think, a sense of, uh, of, uh, of support and protection and uh, uh, elatement, elation uh, on the part of your community that uh, you would come back uh, to uh, to that community when so many people are trying to escape uh, from communities like that. So I'm so proud of you and your, uh, your being there and your willingness uh, to tackle a case like this and uh, that it is going to uh, 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 bode well uh, for the future Elizabeth City and for African-American lawyers, particularly in the Northeastern section of, uh, of North Carolina. So mm -hmm. my hat's off to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And, and I echo what, uh, what Irv has said. And um, whenever I, I see our uh, young, bright, enthusiastic uh, alums who are out there doing the great work, I also think about the children in the community and how important it is for them to see you and what you all are doing, um, you know, to see people that, that look like you and that represent your community 
will pay off um, in ways we can't even imagine in the future. So um, again, I echo uh, Irv's um, pride and just want to thank you to um, so much for all the great work that you're doing. And of course, coming on the show and sharing your insight with us today. Uh, so we are unfortunately out of time, but, but we want to thank our guests, attorney Chantel Cherry Lassiter and attorney Ashley Mitchell for taking time out of their busy schedule and talking with us this evening. And of course, we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for spending your Sunday evening with us. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email. You can reach us at legaleagoreview at nccu.edu. And if you ever miss this show on Sunday, you can find the show on our Legal Eagle Review podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next week, stay informed, engaged, healthy, and safe.